Well, good morning, church. It's good to see y'all. It feels like it's been years. I was in uh, New Jersey and New York earlier this week uh, for a checkup with my son Judah. Everything's great, uh, but that'll make it feel like years uh, away from home. And uh, I asked the Lord for something supernatural on the way. I, I said, I just want to see something supernatural. I mean, could we just, you know, we're in New York. I mean, let's do something cool. Nothing really happened, but the last day, this was kind of cool, the last day, uh, we flew back on Wednesday, and every flight from Dallas to Amarillo was canceled. Every flight was canceled, every one, except mine. All the ones before, all the ones after, but we got through. That's kind of supernatural, that's cool. It's a small thing, but it's like, it's really cool because God uses those small things to let you know I know where you're at. And I hope that this morning is like that as well. I hope that the Lord will use this message as encouragement, as perhaps uh, a word of knowledge in your life to let you know that God knows right where you're at. So on this second Sunday of Lent, uh, the season before Easter, we're walking with Jesus through the, through the gospel of Luke. And today's scripture highlights the compassion and the mission of Jesus, and that is to forgive and to heal. <clears throat> and maybe because it's maybe maybe it's because Luke was a doctor, uh, we see story after story of Jesus' great compassion for the sick, uh, for the poor, for the underdog, for the marginalized. Uh, as a doctor, I bet every time. Jesus healed someone, Luke was simply amazed. Um, but church, I want you to know today, and look at me when I say this, Jesus heals. Jesus heals. I believe it to the core of my being. He heals. And the skeptic would say, but I've, Jesus heals. And I want that to just soak in you for a moment. I don't want you to rush past that. He's a healing God. But even greater than that, Jesus forgives our sin. And in our scripture today, it says, one day while he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby, and they had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. <clears throat> we see Jesus teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they're sitting to hear him. And this is the first time in Luke's gospel where the religious leaders and the Pharisees are interacting with Jesus. The Pharisees were not priests, uh, but they're lay people who studied the law and they studied the prophets, they studied the Torah, studied the prophets, and they often get a bad rap, and rightly so, uh, but they're just trying to follow the law of God. The biggest part of their problem was pride. Wasn't, the problem wasn't the Torah, the problem wasn't the law, the problem was their pride and how they approached it. They prided themselves on knowing the law, 
but they forgot to love and show compassion in the process. And when Jesus confronts the Pharisees and the religious teachers, he's not confronting the Torah or the law. It's perfect. Even Paul backs it up in Romans. But rather, he's confronting their power. He's confronting their prestige. He's confronting their so-called authority. And the biggest part of Jesus' problem with the Pharisees was their idolatry with tradition that often became more important or superseded the law of God itself. They would forget the instructions and the ways of God and they would focus instead on the traditions that surrounded them. And it's no different than today. We have the same problem now. We get enamored by our way of worshiping God. And often it has very little to do with God's instruction. And what if our love of our tradition is actually deeper than our love for God himself? As long as the object of our adoration, Jesus, remains the object of our adoration, then it shouldn't matter if he's adored through drums or an organ, through a trumpet or a guitar. However, the moment it becomes inauthentic, plastic or insincere, then we should become very concerned. The church must always be aware of God's presence in our assembly and quick to discern when it's absent. When it's absent. So in our scripture this morning, Jesus is teaching in a home. So Jesus is not in a synagogue. He's not in a temple. He's in a home in our scripture this morning. So just imagine, if you will, it's not a Sunday morning, but the Methodists have broke up. It's midweek. And someone's having a small group, and Jesus shows up. Yay. Awesome. This is cool. It's just going to be a party. And it says, just then some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed, and they were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down in his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. So there's a lot going on in this passage. There's a lot of good stuff here. See, the paralyzed man's own paralysis is preventing him from being healed. Think about it a minute. He's paralyzed. He can't walk to get to Jesus. So his own illness, his own disease, his own sickness, his own infirmity in his body is the very thing that's keeping him from getting to Jesus himself. And I'd never thought about that before. He can't get to Jesus without some help, without some friends, and without some companionship. Paralysis is tough. Natural, physical paralysis, it's tough. Perhaps some in this room today suffer some type of paralysis. Maybe it's physical paralysis, or maybe it's the epidemic of this age. The paralysis of anxiety, social anxiety, fear, or shame, or unworthiness, or guilt, or how about doubt? Doubt 
of God's love, doubt of God's concern, doubt of God's goodness, or maybe you suffer the anxiety I began to deal with about three or four years ago, good old fear of man's opinion. So three or four years ago, and I wasn't diagnosed, I just, I put my finger on it, I know the pulse of it. Three or four years ago, I began to suffer some social anxiety. Now I'm introverted, but I'm, I also love people, so I'm not shy, but people deplete me, so I have to be alone to refill. And so as a true introvert, I, I have to get alone sometimes. So there would be some Sunday mornings when I would be going around and I'd be greeting everyone and I would just feel overwhelmed and I have to go to my office for a minute and I just have to breathe. I just have to breathe. And I begin to pray and I remember asking the Lord, I'm like, it's a little late in life to start this. I've never had this problem before. I don't know what's going on. Lord, why anxiety? This is not, I'm not that guy. No condemnation. I don't feel condemnation. It's something that I still, when I say wrestle with, I mean I wrestle with it. I, I fight against it. And I begin to pray and ask the Lord, would you put your finger on this? Now I'm not saying this applies to everyone. I'm saying it applied to me. In mine, the Lord revealed to me that I've, I had a healthy dose of fear of men's opinion. And I began to ask the Lord, I said, well, I don't know how to, I don't, how do I break that, God? I, I mean, so, so here's the thing. There is a healthy respect of what people think of us. If you're like, well, I'm just a sarcastic jerk. People can get over it. Okay, that's, you need to back up a little bit. Uh, it's, there is, we have to get along in this world. And then there's, there's how God created us to be. And there's, uh, the giftings and the talents that God placed within us. And it's being comfortable in your own skin and how God created you. And I can't be Rick Inns, and I can't be Charlie, and Charlie can't be me, and he can't be Rick. But there's this pressure to conform to an image, not just in a church, but in an office, in school, wherever you're at. There's this pressure to conform and not to be anything but who God created you to be. It's, it's the temptation in the desert when Satan says, I'll, I'll give you any other way. And Jesus says, no, it's gotta be the cross. It's not gonna be through making bread stones. It's not gonna be through miraculous signs. It's not gonna be bowing to you. It's gonna be through the cross. That's how it's gonna be. And so in our scripture this morning, this man had a physical barrier that stood between him and Jesus. But in anxiety, this paralysis. So we're gonna pray at the end, but right now, what I wanna do is if you suffer from anxiety, I want you to stand up. Listen, I realize paralysis I get it, like it's like asking someone that's paralyzed to stand up. Well, I can't, dummy, I'm paralyzed. Jesus heals. I'm, I realize how hard it is, 
But I'm standing up here not because I'm preaching. I'm standing up here saying, I deal with this. If you deal with anxiety, stand up because I'm going to pray right now over anxiety. Okay? If you believe the Lord heals, he heals, folks. Now, if you're, if you're around someone that deals with anxiety, I want you to lay your hands on them because it's not me. It's Jesus that heals. Father, in Jesus' name, it's not the length of our prayer. It's not the person that prays it. It's the blood of Jesus that gets the job done. And so, Father, I'm asking you today, Lord, that you would begin a process in people's lives. Lord, we know we have to walk this out, but I'm praying, Father, um, just like John Wesley would have prayed, Lord, that maybe there's a process, but I believe there's also a moment. And in Jesus' name, I pray, Father, your cross would be enough. Break the power of anxiety in Jesus' name in this room. For those that suffer with it, Lord, break it off. And may this day, Lord, may it be different from this day forward. Even if it's a process, may it be different from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So in our scripture this morning, this man had a physical barrier that stood between him and Jesus. But his other barrier to healing and restoration was the crowd. He was in a crowded room. They actually couldn't get to him because the room was so crowded. People were in the way. The crowd was so large, he couldn't get close to Jesus. Some of you today have allowed people, wrong relationships, bad friendships. You're dating the wrong man or woman, and you know it. You've allowed codependency, lack of proper boundaries, and on and on and on the list could go. But you've allowed the crowd to become between you and your first love. Now, I want to highlight something real quick because I want to pray over marriages. Uh, <laughs> but when I say that, when I'm saying oh, there's people in the way, I, I know instantly some of you, maybe it's just joking in your head, but you're like, yeah, my, my wife, she's totally in the way. I mean, I married the wrong person. Listen, listen to me though. Shame on you, number one. Stop it, Okay. Secondly, you may be allowing some of the wrong crowd into your marriage. You may have some wrong friends that are taking you to the wrong places. They're taking you away from Jesus, and it's affecting your marriage. You need to be at home. Instead, you may be out at the bar with the boys, or you may be out with the ladies doing something. Don't let the crowd come between you and your marriage. This is a word for someone today. You need to hear this. Maybe more than one of you. But someone specifically needs to hear this today. I don't know who you are. The Lord put it on my heart to say it. And in our story, the crowds came between The man and his healing. So Lord, right now I pray for marriages in Jesus' name. Marriages that hang in the balance specifically because of wrong influence and wrong friends. In Jesus' name I pray, Father, people would have the courage 
cut that off. In Jesus' name. But the text says that this man's friends went up on the roof and they let him down through the roof. And it had to take several minutes for them to, to dig through the mud and the straw and the tiles on the roof and to dig a large enough hole to lower their friend down inside this house. True friendship, listen, true friendship. Because what I'm addressing in this, in this section is true friendship versus the crowd that's standing between you and what needs to be done in your life. Some of you have friends that are taking you away from Jesus. You need friends that are willing to rip the roof off to get you to Jesus. That their, their friends, true friendship is willing to look foolish. It's willing to climb up on the roof. It's willing to remove tiles. It's prepared to pay the price to repair the roof to get you to Jesus. Don't neglect that. So I want to pray for those in wrong friendships and dating relationships and immoral relationships today. You know who you are. I'm not going to point you out or ask you to stand up. But here's the thing I want you to know. To break this off will cause suffering. There's only one way, and it's the way of the cross. But here's what I want you to hear. Suffering offered to Jesus is not agony. The agony's in our will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So when we offer that suffering up to God, it's still suffering, but it doesn't have to be agony. Lord, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, those in wrong relationships today, Lord, those dating the wrong person, Lord, those in immoral relationships, Lord, those uh, in friendships, Lord, that are taking them away from Christ, in Jesus' name, I pray, Father, that they would do the hard work of severing ties, Lord, and that they themselves, Lord, would then become the kind of friend that they would like to have. Someone that leads others towards Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So look at what Jesus says after the man's friends lower him through the roof. When he saw their faith, he said, friend... Your sins are forgiven you. So did you catch it? It wasn't the faith of the paralyzed man, but the faith of the friends. It was the faith of the friends that brought the forgiveness. So let that soak in for a moment. It was the friends' faith that brought forgiveness. This is the perfect example that faith is more than an intellectual process. It actually involves actions. These friends go to great lengths to seek out Jesus for their friend. And there's two things to note from this scripture. Number one is that faithful friends help us when our faith is weak. And that's okay. Because none of us is strong 24-7. We have to have those relationships. We have to have community. And we have to have people in our life that 
Sometimes I just have to be able to go, Rick, I just don't have it today, brother, but I need a miracle. I need your faith. Sometimes he says that to me, and we can be that for each other. Faithful friends pick us up when we can't walk. If you don't have friends like that, then seek to be that type of friend first and then do some firing. (laughs) Some of you need to fire some friends. Secondly, we must be like these friends, doing whatever it takes to bring others to Jesus. The paralyzed man was brought to him in order to be healed, but Jesus offers forgiveness. So hear me. The pronouncement of forgiveness by Jesus is the moment of healing in the man's life. In our story today, the pronouncement of forgiveness is the moment of healing. It wasn't like a televangelist. He didn't say a long prayer. He said, your sins are forgiven you. And that's the moment of healing. The pronouncement of forgiveness by Jesus is the moment of healing in the, in the man's life. And physical healing is good, it's great, but forgiveness is divine. Forgiveness is what we ultimately need. Jesus states, your sins are forgiven, and immediately the Pharisees grumble. How can this man forgive sins? Who does he think he is? Does he think he's God? How dare he? And Jesus, understanding their thoughts, brings them out in the open, and he says, when Jesus perceived their questioning, he answered them, why do you raise such questions in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, stand up and walk? So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up, take your bed, and go to your home. And I want you to linger on that question that Jesus asks Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up and walk? And you know what's easier to say. Your sins are forgiven. Well, that's easy. I can't see anything happen. That's a lot easier to say. Anyone can say it, but to actually do it. Who has that kind of authority? Who has the authority to forgive sins? Only God. Only God can ultimately forgive our sins. And this is only, and there's there's only one who has the the power to actually forgive our sin. Physical healings are impressive. They are. They leave us breathless and they leave us amazed. But the deepest healing available is when our sins are forgiven. Forgiveness comes to us through the gift of, Listen to me, because you really need to understand this. We're gonna have prayer time in just a minute, but you need to understand this about forgiveness. Forgiveness comes to us through the gift of repentance. So just an example. Let's say, I'll use Darren, because I know he likes a good story, and he's not afraid of embarrassment. So Darren Barnes, let's say, I go over to Darren's, he doesn't know, but I sneak over there and I hot wire his car and I take it home, park it in my garage. I just stole it. 
He has no idea it was me. doesn't even suspect it's me because we're friends. Why would he suspect I did it? But I steal his car and I'm driving around. And eventually, man, I just start feeling bad about it. So I'm like, ah, man. So I tell God, hey, I'm really sorry. (laughs) Sorry, God. Okay, well, that's good. Now I need to go confess to Darren. So I go over to Darren's house and I say, hey, Darren, you know that missing car? Yeah, man, it's the craziest thing. Have the police found it? No, the police haven't found it. Well, they haven't found it because it's parked in my garage, Darren. And I just need you to know I felt bad about it. I'm coming to you to tell you I'm sorry. I'm asking for your forgiveness. Would you forgive me, Darren? Darren, because he's a nice guy, hopefully, punches me in the mouth and then says, yes, I forgive you. Okay. Now, I'm going, thank you, Darren. And I get up to go home. And he goes, hey, where's my car? And I was like, I just was telling you I was sorry. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to keep the car. I was just saying. See, so part of repentance is restitution. That makes sense? You got to get the stuff out of your life. Because him really forgiving me is dependent on if I return his car. Now, if he's a big enough man, maybe he can forgive me if I keep his car. But, wow, you're just sitting there going, that's just so twisted, right? But we do it all the time. Repentance is awesome because it comes from God and it says it's that conviction that comes and then it's that repentance. We go to him and we say, I'm sorry. We, make, we go to people, we say we're sorry, and we make that restitution for that but it's important and this man received forgiveness of sins and physical healing and let me finish the text immediately he stood up before them and he took what had been lying on he went to his home glorifying God and amazement seized him seized all of them and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying we've seen strange things today I want to be seized with amazement today I do Do you? The amazing work. I want want to be amazed at at the forgiveness of Jesus. I want to be seized with amazement at his offer to heal. Do you, though? Some of you might be saying, well, I don't have enough faith to be healed, to be forgiven, to be whole to repent, to turn towards Jesus. And here's the thing, you're you're not alone. We're here with you today as friends and as family. So I want us to combine our faith today and I want us to be seized with amazement at what the Lord might do in our midst. And so I wanna, at this time, I want us to enter into a time where we ask the Lord for healing, a time of healing and forgiveness. So I want to open the altar for you to come and receive forgiveness as well as healing. If you've harbored bitterness in your heart for something, I want you to come today to the altar and I want you to lay it here and I want you to leave it. If you need physical healing, I want you to come. If you want to come on behalf of, of, of others that don't have the faith to come and intercede on their behalf. I encourage you to do that. Rick and Charlie and myself and Kim will be up here to anoint those who come forward. And I want to invite 
the church to come and pray over those that are at the altar. I want to allow you the privilege to be a minister of God because it's who you are. And I want you to pray over the people today as they come forward. And there's prayer cards in the back of your pews. And I want you to fill out, every person that comes up, I want you to fill out a prayer card, put the name and the need either of the person that you need to forgive or the healing that you need. And so right now, I want you to go ahead and get those prayer cards out. I want you to start filling them out. If there's someone you need to forgive, I want you to write their name on there. You don't have to write your name. That's too embarrassing. I just want you to write the name of the person that you want to forgive on that card. If you need healing, then physical healing, then I want you to take that prayer card and I want you to write the physical healing that you need and I want you to write your name because we want to continue to pray for you and stand with you on that. Right now, I want you to do that. And specifically to get this thing going today, the Lord gave me a few specific things. If today you feel hidden, if you're like, you know, I know that the Lord loves me, but I just feel hidden. Lord, do you even know I exist? Then I want you to come forward this morning. I want those that are being severely tempted, either by worldly desire or selfish ambition, I want you to come this morning. I want to pray over you. Any form of sarcoma. I know there's probably many that could come up for cancer this morning, but specifically the Lord laid sarcoma on my heart. Will you be healed and not have to fight it anymore? I don't know. He laid sarcoma on my heart. Are you willing to overcome your paralysis to come forward? or if you know someone with sarcoma. The altar's open, church.